0: It's usually hard to close a book. So I'm going to do a very difficult work to close a book. It feels like we are abandoning Colossians, and and yet we are supposed now to be swimming in Colossians because we have come this far. But by the grace of God, what I want us to do is to tend to... Colossians chapter 4 and we we'll read that last verse. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 18. I'm sure you remember we began from verse 11, uh, sorry, verse 7. Uh, we read through those names and how special they are to be on our team. And we challenged ourselves that we should be those people so that we are picked to be on the team. Um, this great apostle, the Apostle Paul, is basically closing this letter. And this is what he says. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer again. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege that is ours this morning to have raised our voices to sing songs of praise to your holy name. Thank you again for the joy of reading from your word. And sometimes we, we just go through names and situations, and yet we do not know how to apply these things to ourselves. But we are grateful for the Spirit of God who opens these things to us, that we may know how to respond to your word. So do guide us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So far we know what is on the heart of the Apostle Paul. We read in chapter 1 that the moment he heard about the situation at the church at Colossae, he began to pray for them. Then in chapter 2 he began to teach them, God's word. He gives them examples in his own life and examples of people that should be on their team. That is chapter 3 and 4. We saw that. Let me just give you a short illustration of that from my own life. I had a grandfather on my mother's side who didn't know how to read and write. But I don't know just how that man was. When he invites you to write a letter, he will say a dictate to you, and then you write. The man doesn't know how to read and write. But he would monitor your handwriting. He says, write properly. I'm <laughs> monitoring my handwriting. You don't know how to hold a pen and a pencil. He says, write properly so that the people that are reading will get the correct message. To him, the correct message is equal to good handwriting. And those days we had in school a subject known as handwriting. These days it's hard to read some handwriting. I wish that subject can come back. But, but what my grandfather had in mind was basically how do I communicate this message so that The reader gets it correctly. Given a chance, my grandfather would pick a pen or pencil from you and do it himself. Because he doesn't want a bad handwriting to go that way. He wants it correctly done. But because he didn't know how to read and write, he had no option. It was like the scenario in which the Apostle Paul was in. In those days, if you are arrested, you were tied to a Roman soldier. And because you are tied to a Roman soldier, you cannot be a good writer. I've seen some people when they're writing, they have to bend their book this way, or they have to sit at a particular angle. They can't sit like... We used to know how to sit like jumbo and whatever. But to write, as in time of the Apostle Paul, it was difficult because he was tied to a Roman soldier. And so then he calls some people to help him write. And in this particular letter, we we have some indication of who wrote what the Apostle Paul was talking about. It could be Timothy, who was with him there, or Luke, who is a good author himself. He is a historian, and he loves writing, like I used to have a good handwriting myself, my grandfather would call me to write, so that Luke can write on behalf of the Apostle Paul. And as Luke has been writing, now we have reached the end. So the Apostle Paul says, bring it to me, bring it to me. L- let me put the last words there. And in that difficult situation is in, he picks the pen. Remember, the pen that time is not the pen today. You needed some ink to dip it in that feather and bring it back and begin to write. And in that difficulty says, I, Paul, write this greeting. What is this? Remember the weight that is putting on whatever he has been dictating at this point. That's that's the way it is putting everything on the scale. But yes, if you have been reading and you have not understood, but please, it is I, Paul, writing this greeting. I already said at the beginning that when we say greeting, it is not just hi. But let me just go with you using the theme that we carried At the beginning of these studies, we carried the theme of a team. To be selected, to belong to the team, is good. As you are waiting to be called to belong to this particular team, it's okay. But that is not the end. That is actually the starting point. The critical thing that you are looking for is to play the game. It is to participate. And so the Apostle Paul, in putting his signature to the letter, he is not just selecting people to come on, but basically commanding them to participate. He wants the faithful Colossians to value the letter and the instructions and Run with it. He's pleading for their prayers. That's why he's saying, Remember my chains. We said if you're praying for others, other people will also pray for you. Remember my chains is talking about how limited he is. How restricted he has become, and now it's difficult for him to do what he intends to do, and he just says, "May God intervene in my situation so that I am not discouraged." But basically, we know what is on his heart. We would spend a lot of time to talk about remembering his chains, but I want to close these studies. By looking at those last four words, grace be with you. That's why I've entitled the sermon as Grace is What We All Need. Grace is what we all need. What is this grace? that the Apostle Paul is pleading for the Colossians to be on them. grace is usually defined as the mercy of God. It is usually defined as the unmerited favor as kindness. We saw that he began, chapter 1, verse 2, with the grace of God and is ending with grace. But when we just understand it as unmerited favour, as just kindness, as just the mercy of God, it looks like it is a one-time activity. It is like just being selected to belong to the team. Oh, he's kind that has called me to be on his side. Oh, he's he's merciful. That's why he has saved me. But I think the grace that he's pleading for at this point, that they should be in, is the what I've called the enabling grace. The grace that we've been singing this morning. The idea that we have been praising God for, that great is His faithfulness morning by morning, new mercies we see. And friends, That is the grace that he's talking about that should be on the Colossian believers. Using the idea of the team, here then is what he's saying. I have called you, but may you now play well. May you run well. May you win the race. That is the idea that the Apostle Peter picks up in 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's turn to that text 1 Peter and chapter 4. If you don't have 1 Peter in your Bible, find another Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10. Let me let's pick it from verse 7. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of things is at hand. Therefore, be self controlled, be sober minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why? As each has received a gift, use it to save one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks Oracles of God, whoever saves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is the grace that he's talking about. It is the grace that we have seen, that the end is near. We need to know how to relate one with another. And this grace, dear friends, is critical. As we know how to relate one with another, we shall know the grace of God, or by the grace of God, we shall understand that this which I have done have been enabled by God. Already we have been told each one of us has been given a gift. So discover that spiritual gift that God has given and save. How? By the grace that is available to you. So it is saving grace, yes, But it is enabling grace for you to carry out your spiritual gift. Do it well. Do it without grumbling. Do it because grace is available. This grace is the wording of the idea of saying you are not able on your own to play with the next guy, but By the grace of God, you can play together. This is the grace that is available to us. In John chapter chapter 12, verse 49 to 50, it is demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. John 12, verse 49 to 50. How is it demonstrated? It is when he says, yes, Lord, it's tough, it's difficult. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I love the way Luke puts it before us as it comes from the mouth of our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke and chapter 12. When we get that great assurance. Of how we should play. Now that we are part of the team. Now that we know that we belong to this team. Luke chapter 12 and verse 12. But let's pick it from verse 12. 11, when they bring you before the synagogue and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. Verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Situations where you are in a difficult scenario. You don't know what to say. By the grace of God, the Spirit gives you what to say. There's a story given by a missionary in Congo. You know, it was like in those days where A a vehicle would leave the mission station to go into town and buy stuff for the people at the mission. And they loaded that truck with food and whatever groceries to take to the mission site. And this missionary says he found a soldier on the road and the soldier stopped the truck. And the guy, the soldier said, Show me what is in the car. The man opened the truck and saw stuff that was in the truck. The soldier said, Here we don't get paid, so we shall share whatever is in the truck, half, half. The missionary says, But I have a boat for everyone at the mission station. How do we share? And the guy puts out his gun. And says, if you don't want, I'll shoot you and I'll take everything, including the truck. The missionary said, his his knees began to have fellowship, shaking. His heart was pumping fast. He was wondering, what do I tell this man? He says he doesn't know. And Luke 12, verse 12, came to his mind. Lord, give me what to say in this hour. He's seated in the truck. He's looking at the soldier and he tells the soldier, Give me your name. What is your name? The soldier is holding the gun and looking at him and says, Why are you asking for my name? The missionary says, So that when you shoot me, I'll go to heaven. I'll tell God who has showed me to come early to heaven. This soldier turned and went away without word. The man said, what should I do? Drive on. That's how the roadblock ended. The Lord will give you what to say. Let me sound a serious warning at this time. It is not those type of preachings we are hearing. As I came on the way, the Lord gave me a message. This is not what the basis apply. It is critical situations where people don't know what to do. God gives you the word. You have gone evangelizing. And you have found people wondering what you should say to them and somehow you don't even know how the words come through, grace flows out to you. You just say these few words, and this man will ask you the question, what must I do? You tell them, repent. There are situations, dear brothers and sisters, where we have clearly seen the grace of God enabling us. That's why we should be grateful Many hymn writers have put it in many strange and beautiful ways that the Lord is the one who leads and guides us. We must be very attentive. This is the grace that the Colossians should be swimming in. This is the grace that the Colossians should be appreciating. Yes, we are saved. But we are not left alone. He is going to move with us. He is going to enable us. He is going to carry the burden with us. And for that we say praise be the name of the Lord. Because he doesn't abandon us. He will never leave us. That is the plea that the Apostle Paul is talking about. As far as. The church at Colosse is concerned. People will drag you. They will question your faith. We know people were already telling them. That you don't qualify to be a Christian. Because of this and that. Because you belong to that. Because you don't observe this and that. People can disqualify you. But no, you cannot be disqualified. The comfort is that you've been enabled by God. That grace will be with you. Grace to overcome the various challenges of life that we go through. Grace to know that even in the darkest hour, we are not alone, but God is there with us. The other way to put it is that which is recorded in Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Because we know that His grace is available. He is the one that guides and works out things through us. We will be a people that will do a good job. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 40. Let's pick it from verse 30. Matthew Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His throne, on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations And you separate people from another as shepherds, separate the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those in in his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink?" Then and when Did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? Then my concern really is verse 40. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, You did it to me. Why has the Lord given you a gift? A spiritual gift. For you to save the body of Christ. Why have you been selected to belong to the team? For you to play. For you to participate. And as you participate, do your best as you are being enabled, do it as though you are serving the Lord. He gives us grace to do the work. Well, I am serving my brother, but actually it is service to God. Because it is my brother I can choose how to to serve him, but because it is a service to the Lord, let me do it with all my abilities. Let me do it well. You remember in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on people in order for them to do a particular responsibility, and when he left, the craftsman, for example, Even when he curled things with that enablement, he knew that it is for the temple of God. And he did it very well. It is a call, dear friends, that grace has been given to us that we may become effective. That we may become useful. And the shocking thing is, How the Lord Just puts it before us He says It it, it is like Something That you did not expect Talking about Being on the team again We have seen Those unexpected goals That footballers score He's thinking he's going to Pass to another person so that the other person can finish and score. And as he kicks the ball, as he kicks the ball, the ball just goes the other way, and it goes in. You know what the footballer does? Does he say, no, I cannot celebrate because I did not shoot it well? No, he will say, "It's God." But he should have done it well. We are not going to be scoring accidental goals. Let's have purposeful service given to God. Clear. That's why this grace is available. That is the grace that we are talking about here. The Apostle Paul is saying, please Colossians, as you have received this gifting, play well. What is the need of this grace? Number one is that we may grow in our faith. James tells us that faith without works is dead. Our faith must be seen, our faith must be active, our faith must lead us to the next level. Our faith must be obviously getting better and better. But secondly, it is a means for us to adjust to one another. Remember, we have come from different backgrounds. We have different problems. But now we are on the same team. But now we are children of God. The tension that is there, even from one tribe to another, should die. The tension that is there, I don't know why sometimes there's even tension between heights. Why? It should now die. Why? Grace to handle one another. Grace to work with one another. Grace to understand. Why do we have a goalkeeper? Why do we have a striker? Why do we have people sing? Why do we have those who play instruments? I used to raise a quarrel with the with people that play instruments in church. Uh, some of them don't sing, all they do is just play. I mean Benko, but there's a role they are playing. I need to understand I need the grace to accept. It. I mean, we desperately need this grace to understand one another. I have one elder here. He will call you a chap. We need to understand why he's saying chap. It doesn't mean you are small. That is a friendly term as far as he's concerned. I won't mention his name. You know him. He will call you chap. But the point is this those of us that know him, fly and flow with him easily. We have grace to understand one another. In the body of Christ, we need this grace. Because the Colossian church is under trouble. There's one teaching from the left, another teaching from the right, another teaching from somebody else. The pastor has even gone to ask the Apostle Paul, what should I do with these people? They need grace for them to understand one another. Remember in the Bible, people divided. One for Apollos, another for Peter, another for who? And the Apostle Paul says, put down your fire! It is God. It is Jesus that we should focus on. But I need grace to relate with my brother. We need grace for us to sing even when the computer has not shown us the words. We need grace with some people that we just see on Sundays and not only another day. What is it that holds them? We need grace. Sometimes we feel those who need grace are those who are having little children. They need grace to see the children in and out. Even those of us that are teenagers, those of us that have adult children, we need grace. I have seen the adults saying Amen. We need grace, enablement to relate well, but thirdly, we need this grace so that we can experience more of God's dealings. We need grace so that we can experience more of God's dealings. Yes, we were young in the Lord but the Lord continues to reveal to us his mercy morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand has provided great is your faithfulness O God that's what we sang this morning he's such a savior who who, who is a wondrous savior We don't just point at the cross that that's when he saved us and it's now. No, no, he has come all the way to show us this blessing, that blessing, that blessing, that blessing. We experience the goodness of God when we see more of this grace. So that in experiencing the goodness of God, we can say he leads me he guides me then you know what you become more confident because you are led by god himself because you are walking with god himself because you are hearing his voice you become safe and secure and finally he to guard our minds That grace guides our minds. We feel fulfilled because that grace covers us. And when we look at each other and say, By the grace of God, so and so is said. I can work with him. By the grace of God, he has brought us this far. By the grace of God, we have come to the end of Colossians. We look back and say, thanks be to God who has brought us this way. How do we apply this then? Our application of this is to look back from where we began our studies, for example. What is it that the Apostle Paul was wanting the believers to know? The supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was key. So at the end of the letter. With the grace that is available to us. Is it true that Christ is supreme. In all our lives. In all that we do. In our lives. Is it true? Let that grace then reveal these things to us. If Christ is supreme, is He saved as Lord as I save my brother or my sister? Have I indeed put to death things of the world and focused on Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul gave us an example himself when he says, I consider everything rubbish for the sake of Christ. He has set his mind on things above." We saw in chapter 3 how he says, put to death this, put to death that. Set your minds on things about What? Christ is supreme. Many times our own problems are bigger than Christ. At the end of Colossian correspondence we should be able to say, my problem is smaller compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because By his grace, he has shown me who he is, and I am able to follow what he has done. I said at the beginning, it's difficult to close because you feel like you're abandoning the letter. But we are not abandoning the letter. But what we are doing is to ask ourselves, Lord, do I have this grace? To ask the Lord, Lord, please give me more of this grace. Can you answer the prayer for the Apostle Paul so that I am able to save you so that I can go to the next level so that I can be useful in the body of Christ so that the things I have learned can bring results in my life so that I don't continue to carry this burden because grace is supposed to lighten my burden so that my hope and faith may grow to the glory and praise of God the Father. So then, dear friends, may the Lord give you more grace as we serve Him, knowing what we have studied from Colossians. God bless you all. Amen. Amen.